0: come alive with pastor mark martinez see
1: god is the author of our decisions proverbs 21:1 says the king's heart is in the hand of the lord like the rivers of water he turns wherever he wishes whoa there you go mark i'm not a king you might be if you're a dad in your own house you have a throne in there you sit on your chair you rule it or should maybe you're not a king maybe you're just a regular guy or a girl put your name in there
0: never judge a book by its cover, Saul was a tall and handsome young man. He came from a wealthy family. Yet despite having so much privilege, he seemed disarmingly humble, shying away from the incredible role offered to him. Although the man Saul seemed like he fit every earthly criteria for leadership on a superficial level, beneath the surface, the power that came with the promotion produced pride and a sense of entitlement in his heart. In today's message, Pastor Mark will take the time to walk us through the man that Saul used to be before pride and rebellion ruined him. How can we avoid falling from the same temptations? Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 9 with today's edition of Come Alive.
1: We should be guarding ourselves jealously and making sure that, hey, it's important. Because what happens is we start to be these little cliques and nobody knows the problems I have. You know, and, and nobody knows how to pray for me. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, you know, so-and-so, I want you to pray. Who's that? Oh, you know, they've been coming to our church for at least 15 years. We're not that old. But, you know, you find out, like, yeah, no, I didn't know them. Yeah, really? We're small enough. We should all know each other. Except for the new people. We should even know when the new people come in. Be like, oh, hey, man, glad you're here. They don't know that you're not new. So do we separate ourselves? Are we relatable? Do we hang out with other people from our fellowship or just the same few every Sunday? And so, you know, sometimes we need to mix it up a little bit. Some of you are doing it. A lot of us are doing it. You're doing a great job. Look at verse 13 as we move on. And as soon as you come into the city, you will surely find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat. This is the ladies talking to To Saul and the servant, for the people will not eat until he comes, because he must bless the sacrifice. And this is one of the few times you find somebody blessing the food before they start to eat here. I think this is where we get our praying before meals. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now, therefore, go up, for about this time you will find him. And so they went up to the city, and as they were coming into the city, there was Samuel coming out towards them on his way up to the high place. Stop right there. So they're going from city to city. The servant just happens to know that there's a prophet in Zuf. And, you know, when you read this, you might think, oh, well, that's cool. You know, maybe this guy's been here before. But, you know, you have to think. They go from place to place. Do you think this is a coincidence or a chance that the servant was chosen to go? Do you think it was just by chance that this servant was chosen to go and they just so happened to be in a town where Samuel is and that the mill hadn't even been blessed yet seeing just the right women who knew exactly where Samuel would be. I mean, do we call this coincidence? No, you got to look back and watch and see how God's hand is on this whole situation. You have to see God is involved in this. Look at verse 15. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before, Saul came saying. The day before, God's hand was in this. said, hey, Samuel, there's going to be a guy. I'm going to send them to you. I'm going to let them look around in these other cities, but I'm going to bring them to you at just the right moment, just the right time. And so here's God talking to Samuel the day before. And then again in verse 17, and it talks about at the present time, and this is what God wants from me and you as well. And you might say, well, what's that? Turn to Isaiah uh, chapter 30, and we're going to look at verse 18. And God's talking about the work of the Spirit through Isaiah and um, what he will do on, on our behalf at just the right time. And you have to see this, so underline these verses, and I told you verse 18. So verse 18 says, Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem, and you shall weep no more. He will be very gracious to you at the sound of your cry. And when he hears it, he will answer you. Now look at verse 21. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. You will also defile the covering of your images of silver and the ornament of your molded images of gold. You will throw them away as an unclean thing, and you will say to them, get away. And so here the Lord is saying there will be a day where we won't want anything to do with idols or graven images, those things that can't lead us or guide us. There's going to be a day and a time where we're not going to want to have anything to do with the things that can't lead us or guide us. Money can't lead you or guide you. It can't make any kind of decision for you. But you might be saying, oh, but it makes it a lot easier. But you make the decision. You have to pull that little idol out of your wallet where you keep it tucked away nice and safe and say goodbye to him or her. It's only him's. But say goodbye to your money. And so you'll come to a point, we will come to a point hopefully before it's too late that we realize that some of those things we follow won't give us any direction. Promotion doesn't really give you direction because at that point you have to keep it. You have to work for it. So gold, silver, a relationship, those can't lead you on a path to heaven, but God can. And that's the thing. Your promotion, your job will not lead you on a path to heaven. And we have to realize that. You say no to the false God and yes to the real God. And when you do, God says, I'll be right behind you and I'm going to whisper in your ear, this is the way. Now let's turn back to 1 Samuel. And we're going to see in verse 16, it says, Now the Lord told Samuel, verse 15, in his ear the day before Saul came. Now this this part where it says the Lord had told Samuel in his ear is literally uncovered his ear. It's the same thing you see in Ruth, chapter 4, verse 4. And, and it's an uncommon, it's the same phrase used in four. The phrase taken from the pushing aside of the headdress so you could hear when you whispered in somebody's ear. My daughter does that. when I, She goes, Dad, tell me a secret. She'll move her hair back behind her ear and get real close. And I'll just whisper, no, Dad, you've got to put your hands up. You've got to cup your hands. and So I'll tell her a secret. If you don't get your feet off the couch, you're going to get in trouble. Okay, Dad. So, it's a, it's the same thing. Moving the headdress in order to whisper, therefore, means that God had secretly told Samuel. God had secretly told Samuel. And it doesn't mean Samuel heard an audible, an audible voice from God. Doesn't have to mean that. It could be some way that God spoke to him. But he speaks in that still small voice sometimes where you have to pull back. The coverings of our ears, the things that are crowding out, the things that keep us from hearing what God is saying is very, very important. Sometimes I think we can't hear him because we have certain things in our lives cranked up way too loud. And at that point in time, the bumper sticker, if it's too loud, you're too old, does not apply. We need to make sure that our ears are uncovered. Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. How many of you have ears? see them. You see mine real well. My hair gets real short. I cut it. I look like a car driving down the road with both doors open. So I got two ears. And sometimes they don't always work well. Because there are things that are crowding out or being too loud in my life. And I can't hear God speak until it's like, oh, I missed it. Lord, forgive me. Verse 16. Tomorrow about this time I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. And you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel. Notice the word. Does he say, I'm going to anoint him king? No, I'm going to anoint him commander, not king. God is not willing to share that role with anyone. I'm going to anoint him commander over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have looked upon my people because their cry has come to me. So when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, there he is, the man of whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. And so, tomorrow, about this time, God gave the prophet Samuel a very specific guidance regarding the future events. Samuel received this guidance, this information, very wisely, and looked for the fulfillment of the words to confirm God's choice of a king for the people, but a commander for God. But Samuel was also wise in not manipulating the circumstances to make what God had said come to pass. Samuel felt that if this was of God's word, he was able to make it happen. How often do we tend to manipulate the circumstances? Lord, I'm praying for this situation. I've been praying about some stuff recently. And I, and, and I remember I was just somebody who said, well, what if we do this and we do that? And I was like, well, yeah, you know, God could answer the prayer in that way. But I, I'd rather wait and see. And so, Lord, you've got to show me that it's 100% completely of you without my hands being on this. And I get a phone call. I think it was Thursday from somebody and says, hey. And they gave me some information. I was like, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That was of God. That wasn't of me. I had no, I I did not have my hands on it. I, I don't even know who this person is. But praise God that this thing is about to happen. And so, sometimes we tend to manipulate things with our With our own hands. And then he says, I will send you. If you look at that verse and what we're looking at, it says, even though Israel had rejected the Lord God, their king, back in 1 Samuel 8 7, right? God was still in control. He he didn't just step off his throne and, and be like, man, forget these people, they're lame, just because they asked him to. They, they asked God when they wanted a king, hey, we don't want you on the throne anymore. We want a visible king that we can feel, that we can touch, that we can see, that we can speak to. And so he didn't just jump off the throne and say, okay, cool, I'm going to let you do it your way. That would be almost as insane as if your children said, look, I don't want you to be mom and dad anymore. I don't want you to tell me what to do anymore. And you go, like, oh, okay, cool, man, here, you know, you're five, take the car, go do what you need to do. And everybody's like, well, five-year-olds can't drive. I got a video of one driving. His name's Asa. But how about an eight-year-old? A little taller? A little more hand-eye coordination? Oh, well, eight-year-olds don't know how to drive well? You're right. They don't know how to drive well. It'd be dangerous for a five-year-old or an eight-year-old to drive. But what about a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old? Well, yeah, they drive better. I started driving when I was 12 or 13. Did a pretty good job. Okay, cool. But what if that same kid wants to move out, have his own career, 12 or 13? Yeah, I'm going to quit high school. Got a good opportunity. Make a lot of money. Working down here at the Denny's and they're going to pay me $2 more than minimum wage. I'm going to make it. I'll show you, mom, dad. It's insane. See, God's not off of the throne. So God says, okay, cool. I'm going to indeed give you a king, but I'm going to send you a flawed guy. A guy that's got some flaws. And he's not going to be like me. And so he sends a flawed guy to a flawed country. And it says that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines. Though there there were many problems with the reign of Saul, no one should think it was a total disaster. Because Saul did. He led Israel to many military victories and greater independence from the Philistines. So he was a pretty good guy. I was thinking about these amazing things that happened in my life, and I realized that I have had very little to do with them. I was thinking just this week about some of the amazing things that happened in my life because of a phone call that came in that I was telling you guys about. And I thought, man, you know, I've had very little to do with some of those amazing things that God does in my life, if anything at all. God just kind of throws stuff down and is like, bam, and he works it all out. It's never in my timing. It's never the way I want it. It it doesn't even seem like it's working. It it sometimes even seems like, man, what am I going to do next? I have no hope. And then all of a sudden, I look back and I'm like, Oh, Lord, I see, I see where you were this whole time. You were there. There were things covering my ears that prevented me from hearing you and things that covered my eyes that prevented me from seeing you. See, God can perform the miraculous in the most natural of ways. We're always looking for the cloud that says, Go that way with a big arrow. Well, that would be foolish. I mean, he can do those things. But take a moment. And think about the next time you and and whoever you're sitting around are going to do something, or maybe you don't know what to do, maybe you and your buddy, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife, and you just stop and say, Lord, what is it you would like for us to do? Where would you like us to go? A lot of times that happens. Anybody ever have the problem of, hey, you want to go out to eat? Yeah, where do you want to go? I don't care. How about you? I don't care. Well, when that happens stop and say, let's pray about where the Lord wants us to go. Because maybe he has a divine appointment for you at that place. I can tell you many times that happens in my life. The other day I was ready to pack up and leave to go home and hang out with my family. And I prayed, I said, Lord, do you really want me to leave now? I mean, it's really quiet here. There's no employees and, and I got this opportunity to sit and I can pray and then all of a sudden a phone call came through and a brother in the Lord says, hey, I want to come by. I'm like, all right, cool. And we had a great conversation, had a good time of fellowship. And That just set my day. It was a blessing. Other than that, I'd have probably gone home and done some other stuff and then been on a bike ride with my kids and you know, having to wrestle with them or do whatever. I mean, that would have been a blessing as well. But it was like this thing was of the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? So next time you're, Where do you want to go? I don't know. I don't care. How about you? I don't know. I don't care. Get together, pray, and ask the Lord where he wants you to go. And then be looking for those opportunities. I heard of another guy who did that same exact thing. He and his wife were going on vacation. It's a pastor and his wife, and they were going on vacation. They didn't know where to go, and so they felt like the Lord had told them a city. And so they land in the plane and get to that city and rent their car, and they're like, all right, Lord, what hotel do we stay in? And they prayed, the Lord told them. They show up, and there's some people sitting in the hot tub right when they get there. And so this guy, knowing him, he's crazy enough, and there's this couple was in the hot tub, and they were kind of kissing and smooching a little bit. And so he goes, let's go over there. And his wife's like, no, 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 I don't want to go over there. It's going to be awkward. And he goes, I don't care. Let's go over there. I feel like the Lord's telling us to go. And they hop in, and they start talking to these people. These people are from a different country. But they're talking to him and a conversation. Three hours go by, he says he's all wrinkled up and pruned up. And the people had no idea, they knew about Mormonism, they knew about Jehovah's Witnesses, they knew about being a Muslim, but they had no idea about Christianity. And so they sat up and talked to him, and the next day they saw him at breakfast in the hotel lobby, and that couple said, hey, you know, the conversation we had last night was amazing. My wife and I stayed up most of the night till 4 o'clock in the morning, talking about what you guys had talked about us, talked with us about. And he goes, man, that's amazing because my wife and I were totally blown away and we did the same thing. We stayed up till about three, talking about you guys, not ever hearing about Christianity, and we just right now want to know if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. They said, yeah. So they stay in touch with this guy and they actually planted a church. Lord, where do you want me to go? Just coincidence that they happen to be walking around from city to city looking for pickup truck, donkeys, and there's a seer, a man of God, And Samuel happens just to be there at that right moment. And these women point them in the right direction. Coincidence or God? See, God is the author of our decisions. Proverbs 21 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns wherever he wishes. Whoa, there you go, Mark. I'm not a king. You might be, if you're a dad in your own house, you have a throne in there. You sit on your chair you rule it, or should, maybe you're not a king. Maybe you're just a regular guy or a girl. Put your name in there. My heart is in the hand of the Lord, like the rivers of water. He turns it wherever he wishes. Can you make that your prayer? Can you make that your banner statement today? See, we see something very natural happening in a very supernatural way. We see something very natural happening. You may say, well, I thought god was bummed out about wanting a king you might say that well you know last week we read he wasn't real happy with it but he is so why does it appear that he hears that he's helping or directing the situation and i would have to say well i agree uh he is see god's not pro-monarchy he's not pro-monarchy but rather pro-merciful each time there's an assembly of israel if you look at these chapters Let's say, for example, verse 8. You see in assembly, verse 10, verses 17 through 27, and and chapter 12. You'll see in those chapters, there's an assembly of Israel. The leaders gather together. The people gather together. After the assembly, there's an action section. Like right now, what these action sections show is God's mercy in providing for his people. Right now, chapter 9, verses 1 through chapter 10, 16, there's a future deliverer from the Philistines. So this guy's going to deliver Israel from the Philistines. Chapter 11, bringing deliverance from Nahash through Saul, another deliverer. And then 13 through 14, deliverance from the Philistines through Jonathan, Saul's son. So, yeah, these are very natural things that happen, but through God it becomes a supernatural way that he does things. And so we see that this takes place. It's not coincidence, it's all God. God can direct and guide your life. We just got to pull back the thing off of our ears so we can hear. Look at verse 18. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me where is the seer's house? And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place for you shall eat with me today. And tomorrow I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. But as for your donkeys, now this has got to be freaky for anyone. He's sitting there, and the guy's like, tell me where the seer is. I'm him. You're at my house. Just go up here to this place. But I know what you're here for. You're here for the donkeys. And he's like, man, did we tell him about the donkeys? No, we didn't tell him about the donkeys. He's a seer. He's the guy from God. Of course he would know. God told him. So Saul's probably sitting there scratching his head going, whoa, that's a little weird. But as for you and your donkeys... Your donkeys that were lost three days ago. And now Saul's probably thinking, man, we didn't tell, even if somebody did, we didn't tell them they lost them three days ago because we don't see that. Do not be anxious about them for they have been found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and all your father's house? And then Saul answers and said, am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of tribes of Israel and my family, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak like this to me? Now, you got to understand, this is the smallest tribe. He's being very humble, something we we probably won't ever see at this level again from this guy's life. He's like, who am I? That's kind of like somebody go, well, who am I? I mean, do you know my family? We're not prestigious people. I mean, we're from the backwoods. We put the funk in dysfunction. So why are you talking like this to me? But though he says all these things, yet his dad's a very well-to-do guy. So yet, there's this very humble spirit. He says, you shall eat with me today. All this must have seemed amazing to Saul. He's looking for a noted prophet. And the first thing, the man, he asks, where's the prophet? He says, here I am. I'm the prophet. And then the man of God invites Saul to dinner. Finally, he hears the words of, of many. And many people fear to hear from a prophet. And that is, tomorrow I'm going to let you go. I'm going to tell you all that's in your heart. Like, oh, great, I'm probably going to die on the way home after I find my dad's donkeys. And then it says, on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you? With this, Samuel hints, gives Saul a hint of his destiny, his future destiny. All Israel desired a king, and Saul would be the answer to
0: that desire. You may be familiar with David's story in the book of 1 Samuel, but did you know he was just one of many important characters from the verses of this Old Testament book? Many people's lives are intertwined to bring about God's plan, even some who weren't following their Creator. God used each person to pave the way for David to ascend the throne and ultimately to bring about salvation for the entire world through his line. Today, you may be a David in your own world, God may be calling you to huge things that will take you to potentially dangerous but ultimately wonderful places. On the other hand, you might be someone God is using to prepare the way for another or to support them in their role. This doesn't in any way diminish your importance. Wherever you are in life, you can be demonstrating God to the world. If you'd like us to pray for you as you seek God's will for your life, please give us a call. We can be reached at 281-391-5503. That number again is 281-391-5503. If you'd like to hear today's message again or listen to other editions of Come Alive, we'd like to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast. Find us on your smartphone app store or subscribe on iTunes. You'll receive up-to-date teachings as soon as we make them available. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time to continue studying through 1 Samuel right here on Come Alive.